0: $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash morning cup. That's rocketmoney.com slash morning cup. Rocketmoney.com slash morning cup. Today's podcast is brought to you by newspapers.com, the ultimate destination for exploring the mysteries of the past. If you're fascinated by true crime, get ready to dive into the stories that made headlines. Newspapers.com offers a billion pages of historical newspapers from the U.S. and beyond, and you can search the entire collection in seconds. Their vast newspaper collection is a goldmine for eyewitness accounts, crime scene photos, news reports, and more. Whether you're interested in famous crimes or long-forgotten cases, Newspapers.com gives you a front-row seat to more than 300 years of history. For our listeners, Newspapers.com has a special offer. Use the code CUPOFMURDER for an exclusive 20% 20% discount on your subscription. That's promo code cupofmurder at newspapers.com. Sign up today and start unraveling the true crime mysteries that keep you up at night. There were two more murders 15 miles away. When police arrived. arrived they found long-term. the telephones and electricity lines. We have a weird homicide. A scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird... Morning. Cup of murder. The fight to prove innocence can be long hard, and completely devastating. On October 12th, 1997, a young man was brutalized and killed in a case that saw four men fight to prove their innocence. So if you like your coffee hot, but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. On a cold October night in 1997, inside the Eagles Hall in Fairbanks, Alaska, a young man named Marvin Roberts was dancing, cutting up, and enjoying the fun with his fellow guests. With a large majority being Alaska Natives from remote villages from all over the state, the teenage high school valedictorian wanted to let loose after a summer spent on a wildfire crew. Around the time that he was cutting a rug, A woman smoking a cigarette on the balcony not far from the event space heard a series of smacks and a voice call out, help me, help me. An hour later, the date now October 11th, 15-year-old John Hartman was found lying on the ground, beaten and close to death. Unable to speak and with no one around to identify him when police arrived at around 2.30 a.m., a photo of the boy was broadcast on television in hopes that someone would come forward with a name. In the meantime, at around 4.30 a.m., police were called to break up a party at the Alaska Motor Inn. And when most managed to flee, 17-year-old Eugene Vent was grabbed and, with a blood alcohol level of 0.158, was brought in for what would later end up being 11 hours worth of interrogation. Told they found his bloody shoe print at the scene of a brutal beating, a lie, Eugene begged to go home and swore he knew nothing about what happened to John Hartman. Hours later, the boy, now drowsy with lack of sleep and stress, they began feeding him facts about the case, including the names of three other potential suspects, and eventually, he broke down and slurred the words, I don't remember, and I was drunk. In the end, he named himself, Marvin Roberts, Kevin Peace, and George Fries as the assailant's responsible for John Hartman's beating. What he didn't know was that George Freese, before his interrogation at around 3.30 p.m., walked into the ER complaining about an injured foot after a night of drinking. The same nurse who tended to him had also examined John, and for one reason or another, she decided to contact the Fairbanks police and tell them about the coincidence. He, too, was brought in and questioned, which is how police got his name when Eugene was interrogated, And though he claimed that he was blackout drunk around the time of the attack, he made some sort of incriminating statement that didn't have officers convinced of his innocence. Pushing further and using a method of interrogation that allowed the officers to lie to their suspects, police again fed him crucial information about the crime scene and claimed that others had fingered him for the crime despite his alibi. Another suspect in custody, they then went to search for Marvin Roberts. He, too, was brought in for questioning, but sober the entire evening, he told police without a shadow of a doubt that he was an innocent man. Arresting Kevin Peace for an unrelated charge, he, too, denied any involvement. Things then took a tragic and dangerous turn when, at 6.37 p.m. on October 12, 1997, John Hartman tragically passed away from his wounds, and, as a result, Marvin Roberts, Eugene Vent. Kevin Peace and George Friese were all charged with his murder. From October 14, 1997 to November of that same year, the Fairbanks police aggressively interrogated a long list of witnesses, many of which were teens without a parent present. Several provided the four young boys with alibis, but coincidentally, all of those particular tapes were inaudible when they were played in the courtroom. Years later, many would say that they were afraid of Detective Aaron Ring, who, over the course of his interrogations, made dangerous threats to the witnesses. However, during these rounds of questioning, police accidentally stumbled upon someone named Arlo Olson, who claimed to have seen all four boys in the car together after beating up a man named Frank Dayton just hours before John was attacked he was somehow able to see each of the boys clearly from 550 feet away, in the dark, and while both high and drunk. He would later go on to be the state's star witness against what would eventually be called the Fairbanks Four. On October 21st, the boys pleaded not guilty to murder and sexual assault charges. And that December, forensic test results arrived with absolutely no links between John Hartman and Marvin, Eugene, Kevin, and George. All they really had were a few hazy witness statements and a boot print found on John's face that allegedly matched a tread on boots owned by George Freese. In a case that was clearly heading towards a great miscarriage of justice, Shirley Dementieff took up the mantle and began rallying for justice for the four. In jail, held in segregation, each young man, three Alaska natives and a Native American, vowed to stand together and prove their innocence. Despite the clear issues in the case, all four men were brought to trial and eventually all were convicted. George was given 97 years in prison, Eugene given 38, Kevin 64, and Marvin 33 years. Unwilling to admit defeat, the Fairbanks Four continued to pursue their case with Marvin sticking to his alibi, his attendance at that event, and both Kevin and George recanting their so-called confessions and insisting that they were coerced. Helping their growing case was the fact that, in the year 2000, Arlo Olson recanted portions of his original trial testimony when speaking with George's attorney. Unfortunately, he declined to have the conversation taped. Not letting that stop the fight, many rallied around the Fairbanks Four, including the Tanana Chiefs Conference full board of directors who requested a civil rights review of the case, and Don Honia, the ceremonial chief for over 40 villages from interior Alaska, who went to the press and said that the boys were railroaded and that, as natives, they feel as though they never have and never will get a fair shot from the police and the courts in Alaska. As cries of discrimination and racism grew louder and louder, appeals were filed and all were rejected. And to make matters worse, in 2001, Arlo Olson went on the record again and recanted his latest statement, claiming he only did so to try and get out of prison. He recanted for a third time in 2002, when in a series of jailhouse interviews, he claimed he was threatened with perjury if he did not comply with what the detectives, including Aaron Ring, wanted him to say. After a few months of investigation, in February of 2003, UAF journalism students went public with their discovery of jury misconduct during the initial trials, which consisted of unauthorized experiment testing whether or not Arlo could have seen the voice from the distance he claimed. And finally, in August of 2004, Kevin Peace won the right to a retrial. In 2008, Arlo recanted again in an interview with Brian O'Donohue and blamed the entire thing, all of his lies and deception, on Aaron Ring specifically. That's the same year that the newly founded Alaska Innocence Project officially took on the Fairbanks 4 case in hopes of winning a fair shot at a new trial for each of the men. Then came a huge breakthrough in 2012 when a convicted killer confessed that he was there the night that John Hartman was attacked and that it was his friend who was responsible. Back in 2003, two former Fairbanks residents, William Holmes and Jason Wallace, were arrested in connection with a multi-state drug slash murder conspiracy where a total of three others were stabbed by Jason but managed to walk away with their lives. With William making the confession connecting them to the Fairbanks case, the signed document was directly faxed from the prison guard's supervisor to the Fairbanks Police Department. While this was happening back in 2011, in November of 2012, the Alaska Court of Appeals ruled that Eugene Vent should get a new trial based on his claim that his original attorney gave him poor counsel and that they failed to argue against the judge's exclusion from an expert on coercive police interrogations and false confessions. On September 25th, 2013, William Holmes filed a sworn statement admitting that he and four friends, including Jason Wallace, were responsible for the murder. And given this official update, The Alaska Innocence Project, on the same day, filed for a post-conviction relief for each of the Fairbanks Four. Hearing the news, the Alaska Department of Law asked the State Troopers' Alaska Bureau of Investigation to conduct their own independent review of the case. And just a few months later, more witnesses came forward corroborating Williams' confession. In 2014, the Innocence Project found out that, for the last two years, the Fairbanks Police Department had a copy of the confession and failed to look into it. The state cold case investigators later claimed that they found the confession in a box at the department and were told it was, quote, pulled off the internet. By 2014, they had the city mayor supporting a federal review of the case. And by August of 2015, the Fairbanks Daily News Miner published a story online revealing the detailed statement made by Jason Wallace to his public defender regarding his participation in John Hartman's murder. The article was taken down just hours later, but not before the Free the Fairbanks Four blog screenshot the claims and posted it for all to read. An emergency hearing was scheduled the following day, and in the meeting, it was revealed that information regarding the confession was leaked to the press by the firm of Jason's public defender, Jason Gazewood. The leak was unintentional, but the damage was done with more than 18,000 having already read the statements. On October 5th, 2015, 18 years after John Hartman was murdered, Marvin Roberts, Eugene Vent, Kevin Peace, and George Fries returned to the courtroom for a post-conviction relief hearing that would go on to last nearly six weeks. On October 19th, Arlo Olson recanted his original testimony, again, saying he was manipulated by Aaron Ring and the former prosecutor, Jeff O'Brien. But on the 23rd, Jason Wallace, granted immunity, testified that he did not take part in the murder and didn't know anyone outside of William Holmes involved in the assault. He was seen laughing and smiling throughout his testimony. On the 30th though, Matt Ellsworth testified as a witness for the state and surprised everyone by recanting a previous statement in which he claimed that Jason Wallace did not confess to him in 1997, and said that he was threatened by Jason, and that's why he failed to come forward sooner. While closing arguments were being made, on November 22, 2015, William Holmes made his first on-camera appearance, admitted to the murders that he was being imprisoned for, and addressed the public, the Hartman family, and the Fairbanks Four directly, when he said, quote, they need to let those boys out. They are innocent. After a hearing to discuss letting the men free was leaked to the public and had to be rescheduled, supporters began rallying outside the courtroom to call upon the governor for a pardon. He responded that, while he would consider it, he didn't feel it was appropriate for him to get involved until the current litigation was worked out. Finally, after decades of fighting and a lot of back and forth, On December 17, 2015, the Fairbanks Four signed a deal that would allow their immediate release and the erasure of their 1997 convictions. The deal came out of fear that they would have to wait months for the judge to issue their ruling. And in order to settle, they had to give up their right to sue the state and withdraw all of their claims of prosecutorial misconduct. Despite the fact that Marvin had, six months prior, been paroled, he remembered his vow to stick with the other three men and signed the all-or-nothing deal to make sure that the rest of them got out of prison. Though they made their promise, the attorneys of the four men said that the settlement was not legally binding, because, like their confessions, they were again coerced. The men filed a lawsuit in 2017, but it was dismissed in October of 2018. They appealed, and this time in January of 2020, the lower court's ruling was overturned, and the lawsuit was allowed to proceed. But in 2021, the Supreme Court declined to get involved. I could not find if any progress has been made or if any new court dates have been had. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to a terrible thing happened on October 13th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe.